Welcome to this week's bonus episode of Trash Future on the Patreon. Hi, oh. it's the nighttime podcast. <laughs> no, hi, it's your normal, it's your normal Trash Future Patreon episode. I'm going to probably stop doing the, the sexy voice. That was something that we had at the beginning of season two, but I think as we get into mid-season, mm. uh, it's going to be something I probably turned down. Uh, but I'm Riley from all the other episodes. I'm here with Alice from Glasgow, which is currently experiencing a named storm. Yes, Storm Jorge, I believe. Uh, because Spain got in early, they were an early adopter of storms, and they got to name this one. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined from from Germany, but be also an Irish person, uh, Kieran Dold of the podcast Corner Spady. Kieran, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. I'm experiencing a different name storm, probably a Jan or Otto or something along those lines. Hmm. Give it a nice uh, Teutonic yes. name. I, I love this new normal where we get to meet all kinds of new friends that are going to cause property damage and possibly damage infrastructure. I suspect the names are going to get friendlier as it goes on so we can't be mad at the storms and the prospect of climate <laughs> yeah. change. The, na- the name of this storm is just the entire um, text of Das Fliegelied. <laughs> no good. Um, so we are, we are going to jump off today, I think, with something we haven't done in a while because we've done a lot of quite quite meaty episodes where we'll focus deeply on one thing. Mm. Uh, I want to I want to I want to take us back to our roots a little bit. I've Going got back a startup to the old for us. school storytelling shit. <laughs> yeah. Look, um it's like a you know Pete Buttigieg thing, right? You know, everyone says they want an in-depth podcast, but um I'd like to have some in-depth god chat. Oof. <laughs> oh. oh no. <laughs> no, so I have a startup. Brutal. I have a startup in the vein of classic TF, hmm. and it's called Mana. Oh. M-A-N-N-A, and it has been funded to the tune of $5.2 million. Oh, Christ. Is it, uh, is it magic? Uh, <laughs> you know what? It might as freaking well be. Um, is some kind of like, d- can you get bread delivered to you by drone? Like, Shut just- the fuck up. Shut the no. fuck up. Yes. No. 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 Yes. no. Yes. What I had in my head, and please tell me how close this is. And I, I swear to you, on a stack of Qurans, I have not looked at the notes to get this. What I pictured was the like the UAV, a little drone flies overhead and it drops you like like a supply drop in Call of Duty. It drops you some delicious bread, and then and then <laughs> yes, it's a race against the it. clock between you and the various pigeons yes. and seagulls. <laughs> no. Okay. Stop getting this. Right. This is no. You can't make me. This is completely accurate. This is the first time what this has ever fuck? happened. What the fuck? Oh Jesus! I was about to say after this um, ludicrous suggestion by Alice was rejected that it should have been called yeah. Panna if it was bread. That was that was my contribution. But no, it's real now, and I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> is the UAV actually like? Is it going to be autonomous, or is it going to be one of those things where we find out later that it was claimed to be autonomous, but actually there's a guy in Colombia who has to pilot it? A small right, Filipino so- child has been contorted into the drone. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Snowpiercer, but really stupid and pointless. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. I'm I'm still gonna do the blanked out um blanked out words, mm. but now that you know the concept, you're gonna have to fill in the blank. Okay. At 
at Mana, we are making three minute blank a reality. I think that one's going to be pretty easy. <laughs> drones. <laughs> three minute drones. Hmm. Uh, so, so this will be your three minute bread, right? A normal phrase that everyone loves to say. Yeah. Here's the thing. The only part you missed, Alice, was that it's not just for bread. It, it is actually right now. It's just for one food. But <laughs> Sandwiches. <laughs> The one food isn't bread. No, it's considerably Why would you call more it manna if it wasn't what? Well, it's um the one food it is for is it's not epic, but it's for when you've adulted like a boss and you deserve it, uh, a little self-care. It's it's going to drop you bacon. No, it's not epic, I oh, said. It's, it's not for epic. when you've been adulting like a boss and Liz Warren comes and you can talk about your exes. Oh, so like coffee or something. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, we'll keep going. Brunch? Our manifesto is to completely replace oh. blank, reducing delivery times to a fraction of their current times, greatly improving the customer's experience, and saving lives. Oh, hang yeah. on. That, one, mm. that last one throws me for a loop. Yeah, I was As, still on the brunch thing. I was thinking it was going to be like mimosas or something. Like squirted, uh, like some super, super soaker type of deal. Yeah, you use like a police water cannon to like <laughs> shoot orange juice at you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Elizabeth Warren, control the riot. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so by and it's saving lives by taking the dangerous process of delivery into the sky. <laughs> oh, when we did it with people, there was a lot of accidents, but now we've made it a ton. <laughs> this is ev everything. Like I, I feel like now that I, I've got. I, I have won early, I've got the thing, and I've correctly guessed it, and like, without even hearing any of the clues. Mm. Now everything I learn about it just raises so many more questions, that it leaves me more confused than I started. Yeah, I was very much on board with like, okay, autonomous bread delivery, that seems straightforward. Yeah, everything right, else has led me further away. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so, well, the reason it's saving lives is that it's taking cars off the road, allegedly. Um, uh, okay, because yeah. I, I normally like pay a guy to do crazy taxi shit and ramp over a bunch of pedestrians to bring me a panini. Um, also, the idea, like, again, this just it makes a massive mistake about supply chains in general. Mm. The, the, the scholarship is there that when you create a supply route, it doesn't necessarily take from other supply routes. It just adds more demand. Sure. Okay, so you're not actually taking cars off the road by making drone delivery an alternative. You have to actually take cars off the road, too. But even mm. even with that uh, smart stuff that you just said, uh, maybe this is a culture shock, but is bread delivery a thing? <laughs> like, are you taking uh, remember, zero cars off the road? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually, it doesn't do bread delivery. I'll tell you what it's doing to save lives. Okay. This... Dublin, Ireland-based company, which should surprise nobody, yeah. hmm. announced its first pilot program on Wednesday, which will allow anyone to order Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh, Jesus. What? And have it dropped off to you at a pickup point outside the University College Dublin. Once uh. the drone arrives, it will descend 15 meters and lower the food on a biodegradable linen thread. What? Oh, it, it, it doesn't just drop it then. That's a plus, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, just what? Getting killed like fucking. Um, yes. Like, I forget which fucking... novel it was in. It might have been like a fucking Julian Barnes novel or something, but there was a guy who got killed in the Second World War by an airdropped can of pineapples. 
And I'm just, that's what I'm thinking, is some poor UCD undergraduate getting taken the fuck out by, like, terminal velocity, uh, uh, <laughs> a like... Pint. A pint yeah. of ice yeah. cream. Full no, pint, no, it's a, yeah. It, it's, it's an object lesson in Aeschylus for classical liter- literature students. <laughs> this is, um, this is so, so fucking stupid. If this is only operating in Dublin, you are never, like, five minutes away on foot from a spar that sells Ben & Jerry's. This mm. serves yeah, no one. But what if you wanted ice cream and you wanted it to be epic? I'm, and you I'm, wanted I'm it also three concerned. Minutes. I'm very concerned with the um, the consequences of this. In that, if you get your like pint of aerial Ben and Jerry's, mm. right? You get your your call ben of Ju- yeah your your call of duty supply drop of Ben and Jerry's. Do you then just like eat it on the street like <laughs> some sort of dog? <laughs> Are you cracking open like a? Does it come with a spoon? How are you? Do, do you just like mash your face into it? Is there is is there violence involved? What? Well, I think you just take it home, but you have to be living in or near University College Dublin. Oh, that's not like the reason that university is there is because there were very few people living there. It once was a field. Mm. <laughs> so I'm gonna do a little more about mana. So Mana's its charging model is that it operates the drone fee, fleet and takes fee, fees of around three <laughs> to four euro per delivery. Um, this is compared to what road-based delivery companies charge, which is like some percent. Yeah, road-based delivery companies get so much of their business, as you said, Kieran, from just like me calling them up and being like, "Can you bring me a pint of ice cream?" There was always uh, there was always one very tragic single like widow in every community in Ireland that would just pay taxi drivers to deliver them cigarettes. I feel like this is the future of that. Yo, yeah. Ireland is so cool. <laughs> um, here's the thing, though. Uh, remember what I said earlier about how it's saving lives and making the process less dangerous? Mm-hmm. Mana drones travel at a speed of 80 kilometers an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's guaranteeing fine. That's fine, the ice probably. cream has melted from velocity. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, it's uh, do we want to apply some G force to your ice cream? Here we go. We have ten thousand <laughs> drones going at eighty kilometers out an hour, all flying to and from one Thai restaurant that's giving you ice cream I'm... in University College Dublin, and they're all. This is one operator, but what they're hoping to do is be the leader in this space, and that, mm-hmm. and they're assuming other drone operators will come in as well. So there are going to be five or six different drone operators per city, all of whom are operating. Tens of thousands of, of fleets of drones making pointless, stupid, absolutely unnecessary deliveries of fripperies <sighs> and treats at enormously high speeds I'm... and then occasionally going down to street level. I'm hey, so kid, into... Sorry, go ahead. No, just a hey, kid, have you ever seen two 80 kilometer per hour drones <laughs> fly into each other? Just, all of my ice cream has shrapnel from like bits yeah. of drones in it. <laughs> Like, th- uh, Kieran, how do you think they invented rum and raisin ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> Down here in the Ben and Jerry labs. I'm just very into the idea of, like, some poor Paraguayan contract drone pilot doing Ender's Game in Dublin. Uh, <laughs> and just, like, from, engaged in, like, a corporate hellscape Top Gun drone piloting program. So, Mana Aero uses custom-designed aviation-grade drones built in Europe and the USA, and uh, it's currently operated directly from the restaurant or dark kitchen premises, and is accessible to food and tech providers and online food platforms. Okay. So, the idea for the startup came after the former car trawler CTO, Bobby Healy, was sitting in his garden one night Mm -hmm. and wanted chips. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Whomst among us has not been a treat boy. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, uh, chips, he says, are one of the items that don't work well for conventional food deliveries. Well, I, okay, as, as a gender swaps treat boy myself, he's not wrong, right? You order something from Uber Eats or delivery or whatever with fries, the fries get there and they're just kind of soggy, right? So I yeah. see where he's coming from. I just don't see the leap from that to the Predator drone fires uh, a kind of missile casing constructed around a pint of Ben and Jerry's at you. This is like... This guy is definitely 100% talking about, like, chipper chips, fish and chips chips. Because, mm -hmm. like, the idea of that being delivered is, like, a sacrilege. I don't know. I don't know why we do it. We don't do it. But it's just something that's not done. But I don't know. This is perverse. I hate this. This is terrible. Yeah. It's just, like, steadfastly refusing to go to a fish and chip shop. It's... Uh, it's it's the well, also Ian McKellen around from Jurassic okay. Park. You, you spent all your time asking if you could, and never stopped to ask if you should. <laughs> yeah. Well, partly, partly, it's to me as well, right? Is that this is a very silly company that, um, <laughs> by the way, it hopes to scale up to fifty thousand delivery drones in Ireland and the UK. How much Good ice luck. cream do those fucking undergraduates eat? <laughs> uh, There's cities yeah, in I Ireland with less people than fifty thousand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, the idea, right, obviously, is that this is going to try to be the standard of food delivery. And, you know, again, I try not to be a Luddite on this show. I try to be like, yeah, it's good if there's labor-saving technology. It's just bad if it's deployed in a way that's transparently stupid. Mm. And um, I, what I see here is that there is Bo Bobby Healy mm -hmm. uh, just is someone who got rich by accident and now can make his dreams come true. And we are living in his reality yes. because his he was he's using he is using his massive access to venture capital and massive access to capital of his own mm -hmm. to solve his problems. And his main problem seems to be, man, I wish I had some chips. Well, it, um, like we've inadvertently created the divine right of kings again because <laughs> the, one of the most inbred monarchs of Austria Hungary. Ferdinand the First nice. uh, is is chiefly famous, chiefly remembered in Austria for demanding a, a kind of dumpling that was out of season and impossible to make. Mm -hmm. And his exercise of his royal prerogative was "Ich bin der Kaiser und ich will Nerdl. I'm the king and I want my dumplings." And that <laughs> what we've done is we've shifted this at like down one increment of wealth so now it's not just the kaiser who gets to do that but it's yep. some guy in his garden that's very pleasing to me yeah i i think that the the, the divine right of kings analogy is is absolutely right because so many of the startups we, we talk about are startups that are started up by people who've gotten rich some other way mm. again mm. usually because they'll do something like what actually makes a tech startup successful usually yeah is if the technology that they deploy somehow is able to um, uh, casualize or disempower labor, circumvent a regulation, or save a cost, not through a process or efficiency saving, but through a designate, designatory or regulatory saving. Because mm. it's managing to circumvent or undermine something yeah, which by is being very a technology boring. company. Yeah. yeah, that's quite dull. And those usually uh, end up making quite a bit of money. Mm. But and it's I, it's like uh, it's like being a movie director. You ha you do the comic book movie so that you can make the artsy thing that you really want to make. Yeah. 
And, oh, um, and so, by the way, oh yeah, uh, ask me about my favorite Ferdinand the First of Austria story because I have a favorite. <laughs> it wasn't I think the dumpling have one. To be, I can't believe it's not the dumpling one. <laughs> it's not the dumpling one. It is 1848. The revolutions are sweeping Europe. Uh, a mob of Austrians appear at the gates of the palace to mm. dispossess him of his throne. And von Metternich, the chancellor, says. Uh, the, you know, there's a, there's a mob outside your majesty. They're breaking down the gates. They're going to depose you and the monarchy. And Ferdinand I of Austria says, they're not allowed to do that, are they? <laughs> that is 100% true. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, yeah, Bobby Healy is allowed to fill our sky with pointless mm. drones yeah. because he once experienced a minor inconvenience. Yes. At, it's, you know what, if I, I think of it more like um, a psychotic friend who helps you in ways that fuck with you. Mm, okay. Right? Like, I don't know. So if um, Alice thinks of this in terms of divine right of kings, yeah. I'm thinking of this in terms of psycho friend. Kieran, how do, you, how do you paint this phenomenon? This is like Bobby Healy 100% benefited from the like property collapse in the 70s when we like unpegged our currency from the Irish pound or from the British pound pound sterling uh bought property in Dublin city center for like I don't know 2 pounds and then has just reaped the benefits ever since and now can just pursue any flight of fancy except get chips whenever he wants. <laughs> well, the one, no, the one thing forbidden to him. Yeah. Like, I, I love, I love, I, I feel like that is the parochial aspect here is if you're an American billionaire, the, the thing that is forbidden to you is it gets really dark. You end up on some little St. James shit. But like, if you're a billionaire or even a millionaire in Ireland mm. and you want the thing that is forbidden to you, it is, I guess, chips, but it's late. The the other thing is I want to point out that like Satanta Sports, which is like Ireland's like sports station, after a certain hour, will just play um, like competitive drone racing, and he definitely <laughs> fell asleep with that on, mm, and that entered oh. into his dreamscape. Oh yeah, yeah, this is someone who's given himself a subliminal message <laughs> uh, purely by accident. So he says, "We are on the cusp of the fifth industrial revolution, powered by what drones." The, what were the other like three in the middle that I missed? Uh oh shit! No, I know this. It was uh, the first one, which computer, we all know. Uh, uh, the, the robot dog that Sony made, the Ibo. <laughs> That, that was <laughs> nobody knows why, but that was an industrial revolution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them was just an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, interestingly, and, and then uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. These are, these have been our industrial revolutions, and Britain and Ireland are both going to be on on the fourth industrial revolution, according to Jacob Rees Mogg's book that we read yesterday in an episode that's coming out in a while. Mm. Industrial uh, revolutions preview, favored preview, the preview. Irish greatly. <laughs> uh, according to Jacob Rees-Mogg, they did. Oh Jesus! Yeah, he was like, "Yes, then the the British used improving land practices." The, um, <laughs> the stem fields of Athenry. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I, he says this. That's not the best thing of this uh, of, of this quote here. We are on the cusp of the fifth industrial revolution, mm -hmm. powered by drones, and our intention with Mana is to make drone delivery as pervasive as. What does he want to make it as pervasive as? Oh, the internet. Uh, nope, too predictable. The spitting Jenny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hilarious yes he wants to make the drone delivery today's steam loom <laughs> because it will be filled it'll be filled with children who are replacing the parts yes mm. uh, running water is the answer oh huh. 
Okay. okay. So I'm, I, I'm going to have to argue with my landlord about my right to have it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I, I'm on the I'm on board with Healy's vision of the future, where I can turn on the drone tap in my house. And just, just a bunch of yeah. eighty mile an hour helicopter blades yeah. coming out right next to your fingers. But then, yeah, knowing these, the Irish rental market, the hot drone tap will just always be shite. <laughs> yeah, these these people are so good at metaphors. Uh, that's because they're all STEM, STEM nerds. Mm. I, uh, I anyway. too remember when my grandma would yell at me to turn off the drone immersion. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's mana. It's uh, $5 million for some guy's stupid flight of fancy that seems right now to be clogging up the skies over University College Dublin, delivering fripperies. That's beautiful. That's at the, 80 the, kilometers an hour. Yeah, delightful. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna get one heat wave, and this whole thing is going to collapse, and everyone's just going to get like milk slurry delivered to them. <laughs> yeah, just Delicious. just an elaborate prank on Dublin, uh, just to like cover large segments of it in like milk. Like, I I think you really could re review the entire venture capital based like startup economy as a series of pranks. Like one mm. of our listeners. Um, they, they had a bevy in their office and just all of its, every single flavor is dog shit. It's all awful. Um, apparently. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, so can you, I, yeah, you wanted, you wanted water. Well, here's a very elaborate way to get some that like gives you little tokens for your progress. And by the way, it's like mint grape flavor. Fuck you. This is the Bam Margera economy. I really, I really do like the idea in 40 years' time when, like, Web Summit, the largest tech conference in Europe, has moved to a new tax shelter in, like, the Sultan of Brunei or something. Um, just, like, fucking Ashton Kutcher is just going to roll out on a respirator and tell the entire world they've been punked at the end of the... Yeah, uh, Ashton Kutcher <laughs> looking like Baron Harkonnen. Yes. Is, yeah. <laughs> I, and it turns out the whole thing was a punking. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I, I would like to now move on uh, to uh, from from this. I, I don't know. I, can is is this related to the political situation in in Ireland at all? <laughs> these very fast drones. I find it. I because I, I I'll say this. I found it at turns um, worrisome, then very exciting, then very confusing. Yeah, that's and totally right. I'm trying to avoid getting depressed. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the continuous struggle. I mean, the, the the actual segue there would be the uh would be the student campus thing because it, it's kind of kicking off in Ireland at the moment, where basically all the students are protesting because just after the election, they kind of announced all the major campuses in Ireland kind of announced they were going to up the rent on the already like incredibly exploitative rents for student accommodation. Um, so now that's all kicking off. But mm. uh, and Sinn Fein, well, let's. Yeah. I would say let's uh, let's let's take a step back. Kieran, can you give us a little bit of background? Yeah, we set first of up all, the, what is Ireland? We, <laughs> so we we set up the basics of the Irish election on our episode with uh, Michael Fry. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm hoping you can sort of tell us what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, what happened? Right, the election happened. It it went off kind of without a hitch. Some hilarious things happened. Um, so wait, no CIA intervention then? No CIA mm. intervention. I'm largely of the opinion that Ireland is so small that they don't really factor us into it. 
Um, <laughs> it's like whenever I see the propaganda of like Russia being like, oh, we could take Poland in a couple of days. They just skip over the Baltics because they're just like, yeah, mm. what's, we'll do that in two hours. But um, yeah, so what happened was um, everyone went out to vote and there was basically a very firm rejection of the two monster parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Um, for a good example of this is there's only been three times in history where a constituency in Ireland didn't at least send one Fine Fáil or Fine Gael candidate. Um, two of those times were this election. So <laughs> that's good. Um, both leaders... Uh, just a, a, a brief, a brief uh, note on that. In, uh, in Ireland, they, do, they have a more proportional system mm-hmm. of government, so each constituency will send several representatives. Between three and five, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, and we have this multi-count system because it's preferential voting, and this election, both leaders of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael didn't get in on the first count, uh, which is deeply embarrassing oh. for them, yes. Mm. Um, Leo Varadkar was the only sitting Taoiseach to not be able to get his like running mate in, uh, because... <laughs> there most- was some speculation that he wouldn't get in himself, right? And he did in the end. Oh, but, it, was, uh- it was deeply embarrassing, because what you want to do in these situations is, for press purposes, you come in right before the count that you think you're going to get in is announced so that you get the footage of you cheering with your family and friends and like, oh, we did it. Oh, the dream's alive. Mm. Um, but then it didn't happen. Uh, many people compared it to the scene of Ralph Wiggum getting his heart broken <laughs> in slow motion. <laughs> uh, and then he had to stay for, I think it was the fourth count and he still didn't get it in that one. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was just delectable, lovely. But basically, we're now looking at uh, Sinn Féin with most popular vote. Um, they got all but two of the people they ran into the doll. And they are the largest party kind of technically because mm. Fianna Fáil has the Speaker of the House which is kind of considered like a he's a Fianna Fáil member but he doesn't actually do anything so uh, but it's basically a three-way tie between the two monster parties and Sinn Féin. And Sh- Sinn Féin it, didn't really have enough candidates am I right? That was yeah, so if there was another election soon, which might happen, uh, the thing Sinn Féin will probably do is they will run more candidates in more constituencies um, because they had people in like Waterford get like double the quota, which means if there was another Sinn Féin candidate there, they probably would have got in via transfers. Mm. So we and also just to like to back up a little bit, like when we, we spoke about all the different parties on our episode mm-hmm. with Michael, but like. Like, like Sinn Féin like, is, they're a party that looks at um, the fact that students are being like charged their entire, their, all of like their, their, their financing for, for rent. Yeah. They're looking at the fact that like Dublin is slowly depopulating into a city of Airbnbs and short-term rentals. And, and they're saying, yeah, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to invest in, we're going to invest publicly. We're going to deal with the housing crisis. We're going to fund the health system and so on and so on. Mm. Because Ireland has been a country that has historically had like, almost like led the charge in neoliberalization on privatization on things never really being public anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think partly that's because of the, of the English colonial powers, right? Because it was always this exploitative, extractive state. Yeah, a little bit of that. I think another one would be that we declared independence right before you guys did all the good stuff. Um, so that was <laughs> like, we declared ourselves independent in World War One, and then World War Two. you come along with this NHS shit and we're like, oh, for fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think other things would be, the weird thing that I don't get is the fact that like Ireland historically, the nemesis of Ireland has been the landlord. 
I really don't understand why you would ever side with them politically. But yeah, we can't... I, I think the best way I can summarize it is the colonial mindset. There's this kind of overview, this kind of like overwhelming thought that we can't really do the nice shit ourselves. Um, so why, why even bother is kind mm. of the, the sad thing. That's why we haven't really had huge radical pushes for the NHS, like an Irish NHS in the past or a... Uh, or anything looking like Nordic housing policy, or I don't know. Our our in work benefits are pretty good, but that's about it. There's some but of this in Scottish nationalism is- too. Uh, there's 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 some of this in Scottish nationalism too. The um the kind of like the lowered expectations of being like, oh, we're kind of a shit country anyway. <laughs> why do we even? Yeah, why even bother? Uh, and th- um, like the SNP's made a great amount of gains in reversing that by being like maybe we could have nice things in a kind of uh, even in a misguided way and I, I, I think yeah. is that what Sinn Féin's been doing to in a sense? I think in, 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 sen- in a sense Ireland, uh, particularly Ireland's left has actually taken a little bit from um, SNP which is mm. when I heard when I was I lived in Scotland for the independence referendum and mm. my memory was they would constantly compare Scotland to Norway and Denmark, because yeah. they have comparable populations. Uh, Norway more for the oil, but like Denmark's a good example. And I think everyone in Ireland saw that and was like, oh yeah, fuck, Denmark does have the same amount of people, and they have nice stuff. Why don't we have nice stuff? Is, was basically <laughs> the long and short of it. Um, yeah. I would say people before profit was actually doing that more than Sinn Féin. But yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I suppose it's one of these things, right, where Shit, where Sinn Fein has like the just the name recognition because yeah. so often people vote on whatever's on their mind when they're in the polling place, you know. And if if austerity, I hate my landlord, and um, you know, I want to have healthcare is on that polling place, and Sinn Fein's like just the most public is the most like largely public and talked about in mainstream party. There's the one on your mind. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, when you read. Uh, the Irish mainstream press, let alone the English, you would think that the Irish voter going into that ballot box, the chief thing that they had on their mind was, I don't know, where to dig up the Semtex again. Uh, (laughs) Just kind of this idea that, much like Jeremy Corbyn back in his day, all of these young people are just voting to do terrorism again. Uh, It's very strange. I mean, well, no, there's this issue. <laughs> we're all key, we're all horny for the terrorism. Um, uh, yeah, wh- whom's yeah. among us? We're gonna play out with my little armor lights. Um, yeah, I think this has actually been like this weird disconnect between the media, as like a kind of liberal establishment tries to reach for various tools to bat away the rise of Sinn Fein. They constantly bring up the terrorism when a large proportion of the voter base of Sinn Fein does not care. Mm. Um, like. There would be people who would maybe respond with the irony of like, look, you told them to give up the bullet for the ballot box. They've done that. So shut up. Uh, but then there are the <laughs> other people being like, I don't know, I was seven when the Good Friday Agreement was signed. Like this, I have a story that I often tell people about how Northern Ireland was so distant from me, which is when I was young, when I heard on the radio people talking about the Celtic tiger, I thought that was an actual animal and it was in Northern Ireland because part- <laughs> that was a part of Ireland I hadn't been to yet. <laughs> so like also it was green and white because animals know what country they're in but hmm. um yeah like that like it was so far removed from my generation that this is not in any way a factor 
Yeah, I, I, I love that, for instance, Jerry Adams was this figure who was so dangerous that he was his voice was banned from the British airwaves for over a decade. <laughs> and I chiefly know him as a guy who does weird, harmless tweets about horses. Yeah, yeah. Like for my generation, he was like the biggest name in like coffee table books of his tweets and Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there, there's something actually I kind of want to pick up on here, which is in all of these elections and in the sort of um, in, Eng in English speaking countries anyway, uh, where you or English and, of course, uh, Irish speaking countries as well. Uh, but in, in, the, in, in, in the UK, in, in Ireland and in, in the States mm. and even in Canada to a lesser extent, there is this. There is this horror on the part of the media that young people are going to touch all of their third rails. Mm. That there's that, for example, um, that like recently, um, the fuck Jennifer Rubin, the person who's like challenging Megan McArdle for wrongest ever, uh, just <laughs> a dunce cap. The, the internet's dunce cap. Um, <laughs> recently said now Bernie's saying the CIA is overthrowing governments uh, <laughs> with the um with with the implication that the sort of people who are supporting him who are quite a feel like the not just the plurality but the majority of everyone under 40 mm. the same thing with everyone under 35 and jeremy corbyn by supporting these politicians who are who are saying no that what we have to do is we have to take power from the people who've been abusing us with it and so on is that essentially there is this almost this like you're being ungrateful and you are being you you are you are hurt you're hurting my good opinion of all of the things I've never had to be critical about because I've lived my life in like a fucking nerf room. <laughs> the yeah, I, I think there's been some awareness of that disconnect, like MSNBC hurriedly trying to hire more like pro Bernie Sanders voices. <laughs> so they can like go and pants Chris Hayes. <laughs> it's more important uh, to no, be Chris Matthews, rather. Chris Hayes is good. Yeah, it's more important to see like you're backing the winners, I guess. Yeah. The the, the but, thing in Ireland though that I I'm finding particularly hilarious though is that it's gotten really lazy. Like our again, this is probably the 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 colonial mindset. I'll always root it back to this, but like our media class is basically taking the talking points of various other uh, left wing bludgeons of the media because mm. Ireland's media and liberal establishment have kind of been taking the playbooks of various other countries. Um, Sinn Féin has been accused of anti-Semitism, largely for their history of supporting Palestinian rights. Um, oh, criticizing all of the extremely good murals. I know, all the swole Irish guys hugging swole Palestinian guys. Yeah, it's if, if I can't like endorse a mural of an eight-foot-tall guy wearing a balaclava, fist-bumping an enormous Palestinian flag... Uh, what even am I, you know, what even is the point of proletarian solidarity? It very much reminds me of the, like, Chinese-Russian solidarity, like, gay dad apple picker yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 But it's, like, a little bit kinkier. I love it. Hmm. Um, but also, you, you, uh, they, they, they've been accused of being, oh, they're just bribing the youth, this kind of thing. Yeah, that was, that was one that was very interesting because... Basically, all the data showed that there was a plurality of like first preference votes for Sinn Féin for like every age group under sixty-five. Uh, oh, the youth. Yes, the youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you get if you give stuff to people that's over sixty-five, that's taking care of your vulnerable. Mm. Uh, if you give anything to anyone under sixty-five, that's a bribe, and uh, that's you know because politicians shouldn't bribe you; they should tell you what you can't have. Mm. 
and um and, and make sure that uh, people who watch cable news are taken care of. Yeah, Actually, that, but, um, that leads me to a question, which is, uh, what were uh Finafoil or Finnegal offering to those over sixty fives? Like, what was their bribe? Because as far as I can tell, it was just fuck you, more money for us. I don't understand what their pitch was. They, yeah, they didn't have a pitch. Um, like Finnafall was trying the whole thing of like we're in, we were in the opposition for the last uh, what four years when they mm. weren't. They were confidence in supply, and that quickly <laughs> yeah, fell apart. A big boy did it and ran away, basically. And um, I don't think. Yeah, Fine Gael did not come first in first preference vote in any constituency except for Mayo, where the Fine Gael candidate they were running was like a former all-star hurling champion. Um, <laughs> so like, I think it was just uh, that he I was- I love small towns. I know, I love, I love Mayo politics. Because um, mm. it was him and like a green candidate who was like talking about guillotining the rich. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mayo politics or the Democratic Party? Ah, uh, oh, <laughs> boo! But um, speaking of uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, um, you know they've sworn up and down they're never going into coalition with with SF. Mm. But moving back a little bit to the um, to the arithmetic here, there seems to be no clear coalition for anyone. So what it seems to be is that um, I imagine this is going to lead to another election relatively soon, right? Yeah, I mean that's one possibility. I I would say there there are three possibilities. Um, election would be disastrous for both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Um, mm. Sinn Fein didn't know they were going to do this well. If there was another election tomorrow, they would run more candidates. So wait, they basically became like the guy in Swing Vote or the main character in Dave. They just fully <laughs> didn't expect to be put in this position. Yeah, much. I love They're, when this like, happens. It, I love when this like, happens. It happened to the SNP too, and it just ended up with all of these like. Either unvetted or like untested, completely politically oh, yeah. naive people being swept into power and being MSPs or MPs or in this case TDs. I want to do that. I want to move to Ireland. I want to join Sinn Fein, and I want to like ride that wave into the doll. Well, yeah, because uh, like the lower tier of Sinn Fein is really tragic. I mean, they basically had a former MMA um, fighter as a local councillor who had his own podcast, so basically Irish Joe Rogan, um, <laughs> and he said stuff about like how he wants the Taoiseach to be family man, dog whistle, and mm. to be actually Irish, dog whistle, dog whistle. Um, so that was like a bit bad. And then there was also, there was some guy in Galway, I think Galway West, who everyone was like, oh, he's such a snack, he's such a treat. And I'm pretty sure it was just a young Sinn Féin candidate who had a fade. Um, <laughs> yeah, once the standards are so low, you can just do anything. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want to be a parliamentarian by default. But, then, uh, <laughs> but getting back to the other uh, possibilities is there. There is still the kind of the possibility of like the Irish Groco of Finnafall and Finnegale getting into bed together. Although Finnegale seems pretty gung ho on being in opposition because they know anything else would be a disaster for them. Mm. And then the other possibility is still Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, which that's the, that's the nightmare situation. Because a lot of awkward meetings. A lot of very awkward meetings, but um, basically the real fear here, like, Ireland has had two previous, even within my lifetime, big left-wing pushes. In 2011, we voted overwhelmingly for Labour, who were promising like an Irish NHS. And um, before that, we voted overwhelmingly for the Greens, uh, who were promising something, presumably. 
Um, and they all kind of got destroyed by getting into bed with one of the two monster parties. And mm. Finifall will try to do that again if they can. Um, mm. The only other possibility after that is like a broad left coalition, but that has to require that there isn't like a Groco in opposition blocking basically everything they try to pass. Mm. And that has to, that would still depend on like 50 different uh, left wing splinter parties that each have like two or three TDs each, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I mean, the solidarity people before Profit have always been saying we'll go into any coalition that excludes the two monster parties. Um, you would want to be keeping an eye on basically the Greens, Labour, and the Social Democrats because they all could be very easily cucked, for a lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I, I, I feel like what we're talking about here is also uh, something that's coming up in the States with the possibility of a brokered convention and superdelegates moving against Bernie of this, this horrible prospect of the left almost winning and then getting procedurally rat-fucked. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it all feels just incredibly close um, mm. for like an Irish person watching. It's just, just that little bit too close. I, you just wish that Sinn Féin ran more candidates. Yeah. yeah. They need an army of Irish Joe Rogans, is the thing. <laughs> Earlier, what I said, like I was sort of very nervous and excited, and then that excitement led to sort of you know, more nervousness or sort of wondering if I'm going to get depressed about it. Is this idea that the left could come very close and then just, you know, essentially go right up to transformative victory and then gone? Mm. Yeah. Which, which always makes me think about, um, like, not to do the parody redacted stuff, but please don't because we're just going to take it out. <laughs> unless we, unless we just want to talk about no, it. I'm, in the I'm, not, take I, it out. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna advocate for anything. I'm not gonna incite okay. anything. I'm okay. just like what. What I'm saying is, I feel like if there is a brokered convention in Milwaukee and the Democratic Party selects someone other than him to be the candidate, that's going to be the end of the Democratic Party. But it's also probably going to be the end of like electoral politics in the U.S. at a federal oh, level. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, like, it, there I, will be yeah. no reason to engage in it. Yes, and so I wonder whether that's like a, a, a risk that's also present of um, people, not not just the left, but like a plurality of people, people who aren't boomers. This like weird national redoubt, um, just kind of checking out of electoral politics in one way or another because you can win, but you end up winning like this and nothing happens. Yeah. Mm. I think the, the other side that I would say about what makes Ireland feel so close yet so far is kind of like the internal mechanisms of Sinn Féin itself. Mm. Um, so unlike, say, Bernie Sanders or Corbyn, who you can both broadly describe as these people on the fringe of politics who have kind of been on the right side of history for most things, mm -hmm. um, there doesn't exist a character like that in Sinn Féin. Um, like the current leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, was formerly Fianna Fáil. And like Jerry Adams' last election, 2016, was the first guy to run on like Sinn Fein being openly more left wing. And then after that didn't really work, he said, ah, actually, we didn't believe in any of that. Um, <laughs> they tried yes, going. He, he must have said it in a very funny and like amusing <laughs> way on Twitter. Yeah. Um, no, he, he put it on a sheet cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
They tried going back to the um, old message in the local elections and they got even, like, performed even worse. And then they came back to this election and be like, oh, yeah, no, we need to do the left wing stuff. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's, I, I never really, I'm always quite suspicious of parties that sort of come to leftism as an electoral strategy yeah. primarily. Well, especially nationalist ones. Like, not to keep yeah. doing the SNP thing, but I, I worry that um, there is a route in which Irish nationalism turns into the kind of, Quote unquote progressive nationalism, where we just try to do all of the fun Nordic stuff like in Scotland, and it just stays at neoliberal turf zone. Yeah. Um, I, the only thing Nordic is your model for how you deal with sex workers, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there was a lack of, uh, for both Sinn Fein and the SNP, it's constantly referencing the Nordic model, but then when they get into specifics, they don't really want to talk about it, except for maybe some kind of small level signifier things like the baby box yes love yeah. a baby box but then like Lo love, a, mm. love a new parliament building with lots of blonde wood um <laughs> yeah, I, I, and that's the that's the other thing right like it's big big scale left-wing programs are often hard to understand or imagine but the baby box is small and single yes. and sort of just broadly acceptably useful yeah. and uncontroversial well, enough I, I, that I, it's this easy shibboleth to just sort of stand in for I, the rest I, of it. I, I have a metaphor here. I, mm. I, I feel like we are, like, I feel like there is a baby box situation going on here, in that there is an inchoate, there's an incipient awareness that capitalism, late capitalism, whatever, is not working for most people. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think there was uh, a story that most millennials now support socialism over capitalism, as polled. Um, yeah. So we have that new world waiting to be born, and we just have to keep it out of the the baby box of either <laughs> like neoliberal uh, sort of faux progressive nationalism or uh, the kind of more traditional like Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, um, just fuck you austerity. Um, and I'm not sure how we navigate between Scylla and Charybdis there. Oh God. I think I, I think I would say, like, since I've been a bit of a downer on Sinn Féin just there, the, the benefit I will say is that there is this kind of internal conflict within Sinn Féin, which is they've been campaigning on the left-wing stuff for long enough that there is a sizable part of Sinn Féin that has, I mean, not to have the negative connotations, but drunk the Kool-Aid. Like, they actually do believe in <laughs> yeah. it, and they're now getting positions of power. Um, a good example would be the, like, housing guy Sinn Féin has the moment, Owen O'Brien, is very much... Just like a housing policy wonk, but very much believes in like, yeah, everyone gets social housing. It shouldn't be means tested. Everyone should just get it. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's 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 not the Limerick Soviet, but it's better than yeah. nothing. <laughs> so what we're what we're essentially saying is that like Shin, the best case scenario for Sinn Fein is that it is able to be more taken over by left wingers and used as a vehicle for socialism. Yes. Well, at the same time, sort of identifying who the who like the the low-level councillors are who like mm. do like like we had in in um in labor who would yeah. be people who would post like Israel did nine eleven or whatever <laughs> yeah or people who would like yeah talk about how we need an Irishman as the as our leader D or all that dueling, you have to get yeah dueling get rid of those people yeah you have to get you have to get rid of those people while like still doing your proper like left wing entryism to make sure that the, that Sinn Fein just becomes a conduit 
for the right people to get in the right positions mm-hmm. of power. And hopefully that conduit doesn't just get smashed by the sledgehammer of procedural fuckery. Yes. What we, ha- um, what we one- have to do is we have to be the cordyceps parasite, uh, attaching ourselves to the nerve cluster of Sinn Féin's <laughs> ant and uh, climbing it bodily up a, a thing of grass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other, the one other thing as well, right, is that it, it is very, always very funny to me how left wing parties are are talked about. I, it's something I just hoved into view today that Leo Varadkar said, mm. which is he was making a, a a speech where he talked about Sinn Fein's plan to hold nationwide rallies, <laughs> like um, as a campaign of intimidation and bullying. <laughs> where it's like, yeah, if by by running against me, you are uh, essentially saying I shouldn't be in power, and. What could that? What could that possibly mean? I ah, I know what you're really talking about. This is bullying. You're trying to bully me oh, out of my position was, of power. It, it, it was, was like turn. the one tweet that was like going after Bernie for doing rallies in Massachusetts because that was mean to Warren. There was people. Uh, yeah. There was people who were like doing the side by side photo comparisons of like Bernie's rallies and then like from the above and then Trump's val- rallies from above and like looks they're similar and I'm like yeah they, yeah. they both have like a large base. Yes, they're good. They're good politicians, you fucking moron. It's, it's yes. also very funny to me to be like... If it makes oh, you feel bad, it should. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sustained campaign of, of, of like violence and brutalism and uh, political harassment uh, going on. Well, whatever. <laughs> Brutality, let's say. There's uh, a sustained campaign there, there is, of starkly beautiful also, concrete yeah, architecture. I really like the idea that. of Trump describing a brutalist architecture. If I could <laughs> do the voice... <laughs> Go on. Folks, Robarts, Robarts Library <laughs> in University of Toronto. <laughs> it's shaped like a peacock. Okay, listen. First of all, shut the fuck up. Second of all, the point I was going to make mm-hmm. was that it's very funny to me to be like, uh, I have been murdered by these Sinn Féin bros uh, because they are doing politics in the form of these rallies, which are quite harmless. When like at right, universities. Yes, when right over the border you have the preeminent example for the last 70 years of what a sustained campaign of political harassment and bullying and intimidation looks like in the form of every unionist party in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah. The day Sinn Féin start piling up giant pallets with pictures of MPs on them to set fire to an effigy, then maybe I'll concede that Leo has a point. But until then... PDs. Yeah, they would have, like, they used to have banners that would read, I'm not racist, I just don't like N-words. And I was mm. like, huh, okay, this is a nuanced yeah. position. <laughs> I, wait, sorry, sorry, was this, is this a paradox designed to confuse a robot? Like, what? <laughs> it, it is like the, the, the Google checkmark thing to make sure you're not a robot when you're buying something online. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, also, uh, anyone want to guess where uh, Varadkar made this speech? <laughs> I think uh, I saw, but, uh... Yeah. Please, put us out of our misery. In the offices of MasterCard Ireland. Mm-hmm. I wonder cool. how much corporate tax they're paying. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. The, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's fun. Just going into MasterCard to be like, ah, they're bullying me. <laughs> they're bullying me with politics. I mean, that is the Fine Gael strategy, is appeal to someone richer than you to make the bad man go away. Mm. <laughs> Please, please, MasterCard. This is one of those things where, where money can't buy it. <laughs> this is for everything m- else. <laughs> Just calling the mods on politics. I love that. Um, so I want to move on to one one last thing before we close out, mm. which is 
sometimes there's just a little a little something that comes into view that reminds me of something I've seen a while back, or it 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 it, it, it in this case it twigged a memory. Delightful Madeline. Yeah. Yes, exactly. A delightful Madeline of text that I'm going to now turn into sound waves that you can listen to in your ears, you two now, and you all listening subsequently. Um, and this is, is a new book has been written about uh, the Dalai Lama, hmm. where the only source is the Dalai Lama himself. A hmm. writer went and made interviewed the Dalai Lama for an extended period of time. Oh, so it's an, an, an authorized biography, then. Yes, and. Um, I just, I, I remember, I, I, I used to know this, and I forgot it for a while, and this has reminded me of it, so I just wanted to read a few uh, little bits of this book that were published in Fortune magazine. <laughs> Ooh, okay. It, maybe, uh, maybe the fortune is of a spiritual character. Um, so, when Chairman Mao announced the liberation, quote-unquote, of Tibet as a top priority for the newly founded PRC, the Dalai Lama was not yet 15 years old. Um, the first troop incursions occurred soon after, at the end of 49. A further six months on, and a 17-point plan for the a 17-point agreement, rather, for the peaceful liberation of Tibet was signed by a delegation of Tibetan negotiators in Beijing. Um, so far, fine. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, so far, nothing. So, so, so far, fine. We're going full Maoist. Uh... <laughs> mean, okay. Uh, look, so far, like so far, uncontroversial. Nothing new here. Yes. That's what I mean. Mm. I, I'm um, just very taken by the idea of us coming on side with the tankies and just being <laughs> like, yeah, the People's Republic's never actually done anything wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, we might get we might dial a little bit in that direction with this next paragraph. Oh, oh sure. Excellent. Because up to up to that point, the only window in the outside world the Dalai Lama ever had was a series of weekly meetings over a period of around six months months with the Austrian adventurer, and this is the bit that reminded me that I used to know a lot about this, then forgot about it, and spent mm. all day lo lo reminding myself of it. Mm. An Austrian adventurer and alpinist named Heinrich Harrer. Ooh. <laughs> Once again, he... Dr. Jones, we see there's nothing you can possess. Yes, that job is the one that he had before he became a random alpinist in areas that were targeted by communist countries. Interesting. Yeah, he, he he didn't he wasn't he on one of the like uh, expeditions that the Nazis put together to go and measure skull shapes to prove that Tibetans were Aryan. Um, I I I, I think he might he was definitely one of like he was in the SS. This guy mm. was just a, a an alpinist in Tibet talking to political readers leaders in the area for some reason. I like yeah, the idea like that he's like the, Pete Buttigieg in Somaliland. I like the idea that he's the, like the phrenological equivalent of like those lost Japanese subs that still think World War Two is happening. He's still <laughs> trying to categorize all the races of the like Tibetan mountains. Yeah, he's a he's a holdout for phrenology. <laughs> yes. So it was Herer who then put the Dalai Lama's brother in touch with the U.S. Embassy in India hmm. and hatched a plot with the CIA to spirit the Dalai Lama out of Tibet if he would publicly repudiate the 17-point agreement. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's, and th it's this Madeline where I remember, oh, yeah, I forgot the Dalai Lama's a CIA stooge. <laughs> and, 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 a and a that CIA was... stooge whose CIA fixer used to be in the SS. That's just a CIA <laughs> stooge. <laughs> and then, yeah, because that's when you start thinking, oh, yeah, well, wild that this happened that one time. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's almost as if they kept using a lot of Nazis to do CIA stuff. <laughs> and now that's like, it's like, he knew the area, of... he knew all the races that were there. It just made sense. <laughs> yeah, you could, 
he had, he had like Terminator vision, but for different skull shapes. <laughs> he had all the maps. They um, were in German. We couldn't read it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, but like every... Like the CIA is just using like every single Nazi war criminal <laughs> yeah. for everything they ever did from like janitor all the way up to you know, ambassadors or whatever. It's, it's just it's mind boggling when you're reminded getting, of it. Getting really obsessed with the purity of the floor tiles. Yeah. But also the fact that just also this remembering this and having it flood back to me that the guy who wrote the most popular of Oprah's book club books yeah. was also an anti-Chinese CIA He, he was an anti-Chinese CIA plant and also the child king of a, a, an absolutely brutal theocracy. Uh, oh yeah, like everyone was a slave. Yeah, you basically were a monk or a serf to a monk. Uh, and so w when we put liberation in quotation marks, it's only kind of, sort of. Um, yeah. Single quotation marks, basically. Yeah. Well, using those weird, like, chevron quotation marks you do in Russian. You do that in Germany, um, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, so I just, I, 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 I was reminded of that and found it very amusing. But equally, uh, Alice, you, rec you recently dropped a, a post Moab. Oh um, yes, on, on Ben Do on Ben Dominic. Ben the, Ben uh, Domino's Pizza. Yeah, uh, who you, if if you, you don't know, Ben Dominic. I did. I am I am now legally his dad. Um, <laughs> simultaneously, I'm also married to Meghan McCain. Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, Ben Dominic. If you don't know, is the publisher of the Federalist, which is a very very dumb right wing rag. Um, and but he, like it, to to differentiate it from the National Review, the National yes. Review is get, tends to publish stuff like. Uh, you know, Trump on a gustulant presidency, whereas the Federalist will publish something like, is there cultural Marxism in Barney? Yes. It's very <laughs> stupid, is the thing. Uh, but he, uh, Ben Dominic makes a great deal of hay out of being descended from, like, Puerto Rican grandees. Uh, I, I think his, his grandfather has some streets named after him in Puerto Rico. Hmm. Um, and, and, and so he also was insisting that uh, he, this made him not white, and he he was a person of color. Uh -huh. Right, I see. Um, and I, I I just on a whim, out of like um sort of a, a flight of fancy, sort of like sort of like your Madeline Riley. Um, I, I I don't know. I felt moved by the spirit to just type Dominic and slavery into <laughs> Google Scholar. And I, I found uh, a thing about a Pedro Dominic in Cuba brutally suppressing a slave uprising. And so I just asked him, um, yeah, is, is, this, is this your guy? Like, is this the, uh, is this the OC that you're P of? Um, mm -hmm. And he said, well, he didn't say anything for 24 hours. And then he mm. said, no, he's not in my family tree. What? So I made fun of him a bit, and I said, well, in the uh, historical narratives don't tend to include the phrase, this guy whose great-great-grandson uh, runs uh, the dumber National Review, and then he blocked me. Um, <laughs> but th th that, of course, wasn't the end of the story. The end of the story uh, is that he, I think, ironically... So someone said in the replies, ah, Ben's just mad because he doesn't get that slavery money. And he, I think, tried to be ironic, and he tried to shitpost, and he said, no, I got all of it. Um, ah, the right memed. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the right got much better at comedy, as is evidenced by the fact that lots of people are sharing screenshots of that and laughing. Um, 
So yeah, I, uh, I feel as if I have entirely inadvertently caused this weird spiral for this very stupid man. Um, who, yeah, so I, I have made Meghan McCain's husband's life appreciably shittier for the past couple of days, nice. and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud. Nice. <laughs> um, right, so I, I wanted to bring that up just because I was like, oh yeah, there was another, another alleged slaveholder, or slaveholder descendant <laughs> well, anyway. We don't, we don't know, we have no idea, yeah. and like, I, I, I didn't even claim that, I just asked him uh, hey, this guy has the same last name as you, which is this uh, like the basis you're using to claim <laughs> to be a person of color or whatever. Mm. Um, it, 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 any relation, uh, any any comment, and he just kind of went from there. So I really, I really like the foundation of this, just being like, yeah, I come from a Spanish speaking place. I speak Spanish. No person who could speak Spanish could be white. <laughs> Where yes. does this language even come from? Mm. I, I think the thing, well, the thing that he started that off with was laughing at the concept of white Cubans, and I'm like, no, they just, they just all live in Miami. So that that summer, what the CIA did was they obtained for the Dalai Lama the recently instituted Ramon um, Magsaysay Award awards for community leadership, and also, somewhat improbably, the Admiral Richard E. Byrd Award for international rescue. Why did the CIA during the Cold War spend half of its time doing like really evil shit, just like dosing random office workers with LSD, mm. like coming in and out of vans, spraying nerve gas on the doors of black churches or whatever, and the other half of what it did was like, We'll give a bunch of money to Jackson Pollock, and that'll show the Soviets. <laughs> or, or just it's you know what it reminds me of? It's uh, the the C. Montgomery Burns outstanding uh, award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too they, much. They, they gave him a special. They gave him a participation trophy. <laughs> yeah, if you're no, if you're if you're right wing and you're defending, if you're defending the right of people with capital to own other people. Then the CIA is going to make sure that you get a participation trophy if you get <laughs> fucked up in politics. Yeah, this is why they couldn't do air support at the Bay of Pigs was they were too busy like striking medals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were they were too busy like hiring extras to make the Dalai Lama think he got a real award. Yeah, they they just did the thing that that like uh, a helpless liberal uh, satirist allegedly did to Casey Hopkins. They just like flew him to a hotel somewhere and gave him a fake award. I really like that there is some sort of flea market somewhere where the overproduction of CIA participation trophies have like ended up. <laughs> where like there is like good job on the Bay of Pigs awards that are around yes. there somewhere that they had to like offload very quickly. The, the, true, the true graveyard of empires, yeah. <laughs> I, I just the feel graveyard like, of empires is what Etsy. <laughs> I, I, I feel like John Bolton has like a garage full of like Iran war service ribbons that he just needs to get rid of. Uh, yeah, very into this. I I I think that um I, I love the idea that like he is still like like the the um the Shah is just keeping all of the all of his uniforms in John yes. Bolton's garage. He yeah. just wants to get rid of them. <laughs> What's funnier that he wants to get rid of them or that he just like puts them on every once in a while just to like feel the just to like feel the thing again. Like looking at himself in the mirror and being like, "Yeah, Shahan Shah, right? I here. was a young Whatever man once. <laughs> what, whatever that is, that's the opposite of hauntology. <laughs> 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 Just like, ah, uh, oh, yes, the 
brutal despotism that could have been. <laughs> well, imagine how. But imagine if if I was a an army soldier in the if I was a soldier in the army of the Shah, how many ridiculous giant hats I would wear because my oh. commander was a king. <laughs> how many soda pop like size medals yeah. are adorned in your chest? Yeah. Like th- think of it. My glove. I could wear. So- I could somehow have two pairs of gloves. <laughs> I could have. I could have pants that go to a length that they've just never gone to yeah, before. I, just I, I, like I, just above the knee, but then jodhpur's <laughs> amazing. I, I had a I, new kind of pants that they only gave to cavalry officers yes. in like the 1990s version of the Shah's yes. army. And, and this is this is my beef, incidentally, with a lot of the Gulf states. Is I, I have this running gag on here where I talk about like the Qatari army or the Kuwaiti army or the Emirati army just like investing three hundred billion dollars in like white Dior belts and Lamborghinis. <laughs> <laughs> white Dior belts. Yeah, but the, like they never get this weird. It's only, it's basically only us and the Thais who have a serious enough monarchy to be like, yeah, we're just doing hats now. I'm a hat guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're 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 gonna end it off on that little bit of reverse ontology. <laughs> um, but uh, Kieran, thank you very much for coming on. Where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, if you want to find me online, it's at uh, Kieran Dold on Twitter. C I A R A N D O L D. It's a very Irish name with a very German Jewish last name. Um, I do a podcast which is like this, but dumber and about continental Europe, called Corner Spatey. Uh, again, at Corner Spady, C O R N E R S P A E T I. Jesus. <laughs> Get yeah, an umlaut really. in there. Love yeah, a podcast umlaut. Oh, yeah. Easy to promote verbally. You really thought that one through. We huh? did. We did. We really thought it through. uh i regret i we came up with the name for this one just sort of on the fly i was going back into my flat and i was like ah that'll do for now we need to call the rss feed something (laughs) yeah "Ah, i'll also point out that the logo is something milo knocked up in an evening learning photoshop which is why it looks like the verge's logo (laughs) look anyone could do anything i was wearing a lot of palace at the time so i was like let's make it like palace we should get no malice we should be trash future trash trash future uh also (laughs) Uh, when you're listening to this, uh, we will have our live show at Bristol Transformed tomorrow. If you're listening to us, this, the day it comes out. Uh, and so please come to that. We'll be hanging out with Angie. Angie Speaks from YouTube and other various podcasts, having an episode of the show live. It will be Alice-less, but it will have the rest of us. Yes. And, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're also going to do a live show on the 11th of March. Uh, that is going to be at Voxel Comedy. The links for all of this shit is going to be in the description. But do come out because we are going to be doing it with friend of the show, Molly Goodfellow. Mm-hmm. Molly Goodfellow. Uh, so I believe that's more or less any- everything. Check out Corner Spady. Check out uh, Well, There's Your Problem as well. I've been mm-hmm. on a couple episodes. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. And uh, our otherwise- theme song is uh, Here We Go by Ginseng. It's on Spotify. Uh, yeah. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. I'm just stealing your thing now. I'm the showrunner yeah. now. I'm oh, the no. captain now. <laughs> oh no, that's that's not what I wanted to happen. Fine, I'm just gonna lob. I'm gonna lob in bombs. You're gonna have to later edit out. I'm seeing double four Riley's. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Later, everybody. Yeah.